From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 617, Multilingual Pal with guest Clint Huffman, recorded Monday, October 15th, 2018. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. And thanks for listening to Run As Radio, bringing back a friend of mine I haven't talked to in entirely too long. It's Clint Huffman, who's originally from Dayton, Ohio, and it's been with Microsoft since 1999. He currently works as a senior software engineer on the Surface product team, and he's a published author on Windows Performance Analysis. And I remember talking about that book even before it existed. And is best known as the creator of PAL, or Performance Analysis of Logs. Welcome back, friend. It's been way too long. Yes, it has. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> oh, no. Always a pleasure. The new role sounds like fun. On the engineering side for the Surface products, that's cool. Yeah, more specifically, the, uh, the post-launch engineering team, and I am in a smaller team of commercial where we deal with preparing the Surface device line for enterprise customers. Interesting. So getting the products out the way an enterprise would want them. That's a lot of little subtleties. Enterprises can be quite specific. Yeah, the idea for me is I'm basically still a PFE, but I work on the team now. And ah. the idea is that if a customer was going to buy, say, 100,000 Surface books for their enterprise environment, but yet there's this one little technical issue that they're having with an external monitor or power or battery life, but we won't buy them because of that. That's when I step in like, okay, well, the reason you're having these battery issues and these power issues and overheating is because of this other third-party software you're running and stuff like that. And that's where I get in with with the technical details and say, look, it's actually a fantastic product. Uh, it's just you know, the software you're running is n- maybe not the best. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you're sort of, I mean, PFE being the greatest job in Microsoft. So, you'd never want to give that up. But you're more of the, now you're still living in sort of the systems engineering space of our sales systems engineering. To finish that sale by solving these key problems, whatever they may be. Yeah. I like to think of myself as still in PFE, but I'm basically dedicated now to the service team. Yeah, I totally get that. And, you know, I, when I think back on, we're past 600 shows these days, many of my favorite run as are PFEs, just telling stories from the field, man, just talking about the stuff, the experiences you've had of what people are doing with Microsoft products out in the world. It's always amazing. Like, they, some of those stories are stunning. Yeah, we, uh, I think we first got started with, there was one other PFE who started it all, and then he got me involved, and then I just kind of opened the floodgates and like, hey, everybody, jump in on the show. It's awesome. Yeah. No, I, there was a <laughs> while there where I think it was a rite of passage as a PFE to make a run as. Yeah. Like, it was, it was kind of a thing. And, you know, you know it's, a, it's, it's a challenge. But we've got to talk about PAL, because PAL's been around now. I mean, it's been years and years. Yeah, it's getting a little old and long in the tooth. I mean, it was originally a CodePlex project. That's how long ago we're talking. Yeah, it's, it was that old, yes. <laughs> Matter of fact, I started it around, I think, gosh, around 2008 or so. So, it's almost 10 years old now. Wow. So, I started it originally when I was, when I started with the over 10 years ago. Macy wrote it as a, 
thing for myself to say, hey, I get all these counter logs from customers and I just want to get them analyzed and find these little details that I'm not a little too lazy to go find all those details sometimes, but have it find those details for me. Right. That's how it all started. And the, the project originally started as a, a kind of, you know, a happy everybody get together with their combined knowledge and then Exchange server and SQL server and all these different products and have all these subject matter experts updating this. And that way we have this whole thing driven by community. And that's where it became open source and it was doing wonderful. So yeah, it's been mentioned in SQL Server internals books. Sure. Our first show that we did together on PAL was 2008. So that's literally 10 years ago. Wow. <laughs> this is a long time ago. 10 years ago. Yeah. So the thing is now that I'm on Surface Team, I've had less focus sure. on that kind of stuff. And yeah. also, I wasn't getting the donations or activity in the community anymore. So it's getting a little bit old. So recently, I decided to take a renewed interest in it, get back into it. And recently, as just about a few weeks ago, one of the biggest hurdles, the hardest hurdles I could possibly get past, I finally broke through. And that was language support. Oh, really? I now have support for 16 spoken languages now. Oh, wow. Okay. That was huge and hard to do for anybody who's been in this business. It's a completely different architecture. Yeah. That is not a small thing to make a multilingual version of a product, especially coming from a product that wasn't multilingual initially. Well, you have to understand, I'm not talking about localization or I'm not talking about globalization either. Right. What I'm referring to is when a performance counter log is recorded in, say, German, where it's a German server. And they recorded the performance counters and using the German locale. And then now they want to analyze the counter log with PAL. But for the longest time, they couldn't because I didn't have a translation of those German counters to, say, English as far as the translation to know, hey, this is processor, percent processor time. This is memory availability. This is all these different counters that we need to know what they are so then we can apply the correct thresholds against them. Sure. When you talk about the secret sauce of PAL, the secret sauce of PAL has always been, what's a good number? Yes. There's so many measures that come out of any given system, and you don't know which of those numbers are important or not important, and which of them are out of sorts, like they're, they're the wrong value. This is not a healthy number. That, to me, has always been the voodoo, is how do you know what's healthy? Yeah, and you've always said it best, and you said this on the first show, and it was performance monitor. It's like its own little internet. Yeah. You have to know where to look for it. Yeah, everything <laughs> is in there. You just can't find it. Yes, yes. <laughs> From my, my past experiences, I, I would teach Windows performance to enterprise customers. I would teach Windows internals, and here's how memory really works, and here's the seven ways you can run out of memory each one deadly. Yeah. A lot of people think, can think of one, maybe two different ways of running out of memory, but there's actually seven. <laughs> so, yeah. I will say six of them are deadly. The seventh one isn't so deadly. So Yeah. Uh, generally, running out of memory is bad. <laughs> yes. Well, terminology is so important when you talk about memory because when you say, hey, I'm running out of virtual memory, people have no idea what you're talking about when you say that. <laughs> yeah. What do you actually mean when you say that? like, are, are you talking about the page file? Are you talking about RAM? Are you talking about committed memory? Are you talking virtual address space? You know, what are you talking about? And you know, my answer to that is, 
virtual memory is referring to the entire memory architecture of the of the system. So right. not just one thing, but everything all together. So let's run down the list because they're good. <laughs> I'm, I've encountered a bunch of them. I can't name seven off the top of my head. I can name a few, but go for it. Yeah. So there's process virtual address space. Mm-hmm. So each like 32-bit processes can't go above 2 gig on 32-bit windows yep. or a 4 gig if they're large address aware. For those who may not know that the largest number you can represent with 32 bits is 4 gigabytes. Right. It's a mathematical law. So Un- with an uh, unsigned. Yes, yes. So so that's that and then of course with the 64-bit process you now have 128 terabytes and that's just the tip of the iceberg cuz 64-bit is the number largest number you can Represent with that is 16 exabytes. Yeah, that's a lot of memory. <laughs> yeah, but that's the first thing is process address space, which actually defines every process. Then there is pool paged kernel memory, mm-hmm. pool non-paged kernel memory, which irrespective, that's where drivers will be placed in one of those two pools. PTEs, which are page table entries. I guess I'm cheating a little bit because the three I just mentioned there are all kernel virtual address space. Yes. But they are each individually finite in those spaces. Yep. So that's what one, two, three, four so far. Yep. Then we have RAM, of course, physical memory. Then you have page file, mm-hmm. which is considered its own kind of resource there on disk. And then you have what's called committed memory, which is the fictitious resource of combining both RAM and page file together into a single resource called system committed memory. Right. So that's seven altogether. <laughs> and I think the only one that you could, because you could actually run out of system committed memory and have tons of available memory physically and tons, tons of page file, but yet be out of committed memory. There's right. definitely ways of doing that depending on... <laughs> how the memory is allocated. I can go on forever, by the way. Yeah, and they're probably not good things, but, you know, it's just that's no. part of the fun of all of this is just recognizing those things. I remember in the old days of doing performance tuning where I think it was IIS4 didn't have good gates on process memory, and you could okay. it would blue screen the machine, you know. It, not till IIS5, actually. IIS4 was user mode. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, it was IIS5 that could actually blue screen the machine. IIS5, Windows 2000, where uh, HTTP Sys went to kernel mode. Yeah, and it's like, hey, you know, <laughs> which is, you know, the line I'd use when I was talking about this is like, that is a way to free up memory, just not one your customers are particularly going to like. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, but that's the whole point of the PAL tool, because, I mean, I, indiv- I actually knew all the, I mean, I know these values, I know what the proper things are for yes. them, but even me spending all the manual effort of going through a counter log to identify all these thresholds and uh, through counter log. I would spend hours to do a proper analysis on a single counter log. Sure. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And then VBScript. So I did it all in VBScript originally with log parser. Yeah. Yeah, boy. That was the original. Yeah. And then we kept running out of virtual address space with 32-bit process of log parser. As fast as log parser was, it just couldn't handle the large logs. No, and logs got big. So then and I introduced it to PowerShell, a 5,000-line PowerShell script is what it ended up being. So, and that became huge. <laughs> <laughs> Holy man, that's a long time ago. And then, yeah, you, I mean, when you started working, we go back to 2007, 2008, you pretty much went open source almost immediately, which we, I mean, that was well yeah. before Microsoft was keen on that sort of thing. Yeah, it was. And I, I 
we went and put it straight up on CodePlex, got legal approval to do so, and uh, I personally own it as, as a product. Nice. I have found pretty consistently, PFEs tend to make tools. I think there's a side effect of working out in the field and battling the same problems over and over again. There's a bunch of tools out there that PFEs have made. It's just that not all of them ended up the, what you did with PAL and putting them into the open source world. They typically were only distributed internally to Microsoft, sometimes only to other PFEs. Yeah, that's how we started off with PAL because I originally wrote it for myself and then a buddy of mine saw it in PFE and he's like, hey, uh, can I use that too? I'm like, well, it's still really problematic, but sure. And then next thing I know, I got everybody asking me for it. So it was pretty fun that those years. So getting back to this multilingual move, yeah, this is more about dealing with the multilingual nature of Windows yes. than it is necessary other people's spoken language. Yeah, and a lot of people pointed me to the perflib performance library registry key. And they're like, yeah, just go there. You'll be able to see all the different languages and stuff like that. And, and for, it's partially true because you do see each like 009, I believe, is e English US. And then other keys off of that would be the other languages. Mm -hmm. But what I found was that there's only partials there. Like you would get processor. You wouldn't get the full counterpath. So you'd only get like little strings and bits here and there. And it, it didn't seem very cohesive right. using that way. So I decided to do the brute force method. I installed every single language pack, well, 16 of the major languages into Windows Server, I think 2016, and installed all those languages packs individually, and then wrote a logon script that would go use uh, the type per command line. And so when I went into, say, Russian, for example, right. I would have the language pack installed. I would switch it to Russian, log out, and then log in again. And of course, I can't understand anything the screen is telling me at this point, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because uh, it's in this other language, right? Sure. And a particularly tough one, too. <laughs> yeah. And luckily, the logon script is keying off the logon event. And so it runs. And it did a type perf to give me all of the performance counters that are running at that particular time. And so I would get these lists of each language. I would do this successfully with each one. And then I would compare them to that text list to the English one. And for, I would say, about 85% of the counters, you know, line 100 on the English one was the full counterpath translation for the respective language right. on line 100 in the other language. Right. When I say 85% is because I start to expose certain bugs that certain counters weren't implemented in all languages. Right. And so I put things out of order and certain counter objects didn't come out in the same order as well. So I'd have to fix that. So it was a lot of manual effort to get the translation fully done. Yeah, no, no, it's not, that's not a simple problem. And you have said that this multilingual problem, like these are very challenging and expensive problems. Like it's, there's no simple way to do this, especially for an open source project. Clint, give me just a moment here for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Already focuses on getting volunteers into the right place at the right time using cloud and mobile technology. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. 
And we're back. It's Richard Campbell talking to Clint Huffman on Run As Radio, bringing back the performance analysis of logs, which has been entirely too long, although we talked about it repeatedly, and this challenge around multilingual. Now, I kind of think that every time Microsoft ships a new product, you need a new set of performance counters. Like, things are going to change. Like, you know, I just doing shows about the new version of SQL Server. Don't you get new performance counters every time? I wish I did. The original concept of PAL was that I would have the respective subject matter experts would then, hey, hey, Clint, we got the new performance counters, and here's the new thresholds. And unfortunately, I wasn't getting the participation in the community like, I, like I've been wanting. Sure. Furthermore, with the, the new job I have now, then I, I, there wasn't enough focus or, for me to really update PAL in that manner. So I'm now actually taking it upon myself to go ahead and do the research myself to go out there, find the public documentation on these respective products, put the respective thresholds in there and get new updates for the latest products. So I've yet to do that with uh, this the version of PAL that's out there now. But uh, within the next few months, I plan on having either a downloadable pack of the latest threshold files for all the respective things and the respective 16 language translations of those in addition to that. Sure. That's a whole other set of problems. Yeah, but since it's not my job anymore and it's a lot of effort to do this, I unfortunately am going to turn around and, and start my own business, a side business doing this. Okay. Now, I'll keep the operating system once free. Right. And anyone who wants to continue to donate threshold files, I'll continue to make that free and keep PAL open source and those type of things. Keep that community going. Sure. But for the ones where I have to put put my own effort into and such like that, I do plan to sell those as a PAL Pro pack right? or a PAL Pro that the product's already built into that. That's cool. Well, and you know, this is what it takes to make it sustainable too. Yeah, because somebody's got to do the effort and might as well get some compensation for that. So Yeah, and it only really has to be done once. Now, what are the major products that it instruments well right now? I mean, obviously, Windows, slash Active Directory. Yeah, there's a there's quite a few. You have SQL Server there, but I believe it's outdated by 10 years. So we need to get latest latest version of SQL Server on there. Right. Exchange Server was probably the biggest boon for PAL. At the time, about eight years ago or so, when we were creating threshold files for PAL for Exchange Server, we were counting about a thousand performance counters that wow. you had to analyze with that, counting the operating system ones, including with the exchange server ones, and just a ton, a ton of counters that had to be analyzed for all that. And then the PFEs were actually using PAL for some of the health checks with exchange server on top of that. So I definitely want to continue those kind of things and update it for the latest versions of exchange. Mm-hmm. SharePoint was huge. Yep. IIS. Uh, yes, .NET, mm-hmm. counters. Yeah, just about anything you can think of was out there. I think even Project Server was in there. So. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> a BizTalk. Oh, yeah, BizTalk. I, you know, funny you mentioned that, too, because I, I should have thought of that first, because I actually originally wrote PAL for BizTalk Server because I was doing BizTalk Server at the time. Yeah, I think when we first met, you were, like, you were PFE specializing in BizTalk. Yes, yes, and the performance aspects of that, no doubt, too, yeah. which can be a lot. Yeah, you could get into some serious troubles with BizTalk. Like, it did a lot, but you, it needed a lot, too. Like, it was not a trivial product to work with. No, because you had to be master of multiple technologies in sure. order to truly understand it. And once you understood it, it was a beautifully elegant type of product that just worked great. 
it was a massive, just highly redundant. Once we have the message, we never lose it. So right. As long as you have the re- proper redundancies and you're following the best practices of BizTalk, it's just an amazing product. Yeah. Of course, now, since since those early days and in, in the ongoing evolution, we have the cloud in the equation here. Well, how does that factor into PAL? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, <laughs> do you have a script? <laughs> I do not, but I have a lot of experience <laughs> asking good questions. These are great questions, and I have been <laughs> approached about that. So, the from what I understand, and I'm still new to this ding ding old cloud thing, right? You yep. have to understand that. <laughs> so the way I understand it is that Azure doesn't necessarily have a performance counter logging mechanism, but you can create one through projects. Right. And so a lot of people have been successful with collecting performance counters in CSV files in that manner and then bringing it over to PAL for analysis so long as the CSV file is in the right structure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I would like to learn more about that and start coding towards that to, see, to make sure that we can analyze those types of systems. Because that, that's definitely a huge market. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And but you know, at the same time, cloud's got its own instrumentation systems. It's got its app insights and its own kind of analysis tools. But I guess it's all very cloud centric when it comes to instrumenting VMs. It's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah. I've been, even had friends who uh, on the test side of, of cloud that told me that there's definitely a market for this. Mm-hmm. And the performance and analysts, they love Azure because before when they would solve, say, a SQL issue or a website issue with performance and stuff like that, the amount of money that was saved by making those efforts and those changes was very variable and right. how much they actually save. But on Azure, you can directly measure the impact. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so this is huge for them. Like, yes, not only can we, it's like, we made these changes, we tested it this way, we made this change and tested it again. And we clearly saved, you know, $10,000, you know, this many transactions per month, based off of this one change. And so there was a direct monetary way of measuring those things. So performance tuning was huge. for that. Yeah, it's funny how performance tuning has evolved in exactly that context. A show I did a few weeks back, we're having exactly that conversation about how much longer before there are organizations that come out and and say, hey, let us go, you know, we'll sign your NEA, we'll go through your entire Azure account, and we'll save you enough money in exchange for a portion of that money that you saved going to us. It's almost like getting a, a broker or an agent when you're writing a book. Absolutely. You know, it's taking care of certain problems, but, you know, performance training is a specialty, and Azure is complicated enough that it definitely is a challenge to sort of get the best out of all of those things. Like, it's not that simple, right? There's a lot to know. Yeah, another aspect that I want to take the Pell world into is another project I have called Clue. I remember Clue. Yeah, we talked about it. Have we talked about it before? Briefly, but bring us up to speed. It was one of the shows. Right now, Pell is just does analysis. So you, you've yep. already got the logs and it analyzes it for you. But if you did a really well done data collection, then it makes all the difference with, a, with the doing a proper analysis. Mm-hmm. For example, with performance monitors, I can see, okay, yeah, you're consuming a lot of power, for example. Your battery life is being used in a certain way. Or with a processor, I guess you're using a lot of processor. I have no idea what it's doing, but you're using a lot of processor. And that's all you would get from a uh, performance counter lock. Mm -hmm. But with an ETW trace, having that collect when the problem is occurring is huge. And so I've been playing around with this pet project of Clue, which is an open source project I've had 
what I'm doing is I have it installed on the on the server or a client machine or whatever Windows machine you have. But it listens for those performance counters for initial indicators, like if it's high CPU for more than three seconds, for example, mm-hmm. or disk response times is greater than 25 milliseconds for more than three seconds. If you get any of those type of indicators, then I start up an ETW trace respective for that particular problem. So uh, especially for disk, when that runs, it starts the ETW trace and says, okay, what's going on the entire stack from the application side all the way down to the hardware? What are we seeing as far as all the filter drivers that we're going through and how long are we taking to go through those filter drivers? Because I've seen plenty of situations where, where this one customer had SQL Server running slow and everybody was blaming the backend storage, which sure. actually was pretty slow, but not that slow. <laughs> but come to find out, they had three different anti-intrusion software packages installed, and there's three filter drivers they had to go through, and each one of them was consuming about 10 to 20 milliseconds each. Yeah, so they just add up. And so this is event tracing for Windows, ETW. Yes, event tracing for Windows, yes. There's always been an argument about whether this should replace performance logs, but it's it's just a different level of detail about different information. Yes, think of ETW tracing as a microscope way of looking at something. Right. Uh, while performance monitor is much more tuned for the high-level view, yeah. uh, you know, all-day type of type of, of uh, performance analysis. So my CPU averaged around 50% most of the day during business hours. That's what performance monitor is good for. And also, of course, initial indicators. While ETW tracing is, I want to know exactly what's going on. Right. And what's cool about the disk one is that when Clue does the very surgical, because y- you can trace everything and, mm-hmm. of course, run yourself down by tracing everything. So this does a very surgical way of collecting. Yeah. I, I like that precision part. Is you're trying to only collect the stuff that matters and only for the duration it matters. Because you can end up with gigs of logs out of ETW in a very short amount of time, and most of it's worthless. Yeah. And this is where Clue excels because not only is it's running as admin, so mm-hmm. even if you have a non-admin user using the device, this is still going to collect the data in the proper way. Right. Second of all, it, it's listening for the initial indicators and then triggers the ETW trace to occur at the appropriate time when it's actually happening. Right. So instead of doing, because you really don't want to do an ETL trace for 20, 30 minutes at a time. That's way, way too much. Yeah. And for those who aren't familiar with it, you're talking about 100 megabytes every minute or, or you know, or more than that sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So sometimes gigabytes every few minutes. Yeah. So by having these surgical traces happen for a few seconds at the time that the issue is occurring, then you have these small, finite traces where we can say there was a bad experience that happened here, and then you have enough data to say, yes, there's filter drivers in the way, and this is how much they're taking up. Right. Here's the vendor who created these drivers. Here's the version number of these drivers. Here's the call stack for these drivers, if we had symbols. So you'll have all this information not to go to the vendor and say, hey, we had an outage last night. We had this many incidents of it that slowed us down this much. And you're the vendor that owns this. This is the version number we have and the call stack responsible for that. Yeah. So you've loaded up with some pretty good information to start having another level of conversation. Yeah. And that's the level of analysis that I want to take the foul tool to in future versions of it. Right. No, I think it's an interesting combination of, of both 
performance logs and ETW together and being able to granularize it enough that you can get useful. It's not so big you can't read it. You can dig through it and actually see what was going on at that time when you're having those problems. Very timely traces. And that's the hardest thing to get is sometimes, because even me, even me being locally logged in with admin rights, yep. I'm not going to be quick enough to navigate through there to figure out what's going on and then start the trace. By that time, several minutes has gone by. Sure. I might even actually miss the incident altogether. The other aspect of this is sometimes you have transitory incidents. Like it's consistently showing up on the logs, but you don't know when it is. So the idea that you can set this up as a trigger so that it gives you those ETW logs only when this event occurs, you know, you might go through the whole night and it doesn't actually happen, but you don't want to log ETW the whole night. Right. And that's where I want to take this is that I want to have PAL be able to maybe even have like a, a generic clue that runs as an agent on these systems or right. have it where you customize, where I only want to look for this one trigger. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where I'm going to go with it, but it's definitely exciting to go in that direction. With it. Awesome. Hey, one other question. Didn't you put out a book a few years ago? Was in the Windows Performance Analysis book? Yep. Yeah, I did. How did that go? Oh, went well, I guess. Yeah. Are you, are you <laughs> going to do an update to it? I mean, it's been a few years. I would love to. They never approached me again to do another one. So I just left it as it is. Right. I love doing it. I wrote it the way I teach it. Mm-hmm. I wrote it as a choose your own adventure type book. So that way you don't have to read it cover to cover. You just look up your issue and go from there. Yeah. It doesn't strike me as the kind of book you'd want to read cover to cover. You kind of want to, uh, I've got a problem with this. What do I need to know? Yep. But it's, uh, it's good to be able to dig into it that way. I'll, uh, I'll include a link to the ebook anyway, so folks can pick it up if they want it. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, eventually what I'd like to do is incorporate a kind of a living book inside of PAL so that with, if and when I, it does identify issues, you'll have these articles that uh, will then walk you through, here's next steps. Sure. Just, you know, contact the vendor with this information and you know, trace it with this information. Here's how to, to trace it and collect, how to collect that data. Or use an automated triggering type of tool such as Clue. That's cool. Well, I'll include some links to the GitHub project so folks can take a look at this or get some uh, copies of the bits. And make sure you give me links when the pro version start appear so that folks can get on board. Thanks. Yeah. yeah I even thought of a name of my own, my own business. I'm actually curious what you think of oh. it. So the Greek god of technology is Hephaestus. Yes. He brought us fire. Yep, forges, craftsmanship, and stuff like that. So basically, the Greek god of technology, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, I figured I would, I would use my first part of my name, which is Huffman. So I use H-U-F-F and then Festus. So it'd be Huff Festus. Nice. That's clever. <laughs> I totally get that. And Festus is an important character. So yeah, not a bad name at all, Clint. I might bring Pal and Clue together under the same name, so we'll have to see. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with it yet. Yeah, no, good questions. Well, stay in touch. Keep us in, up to date on this, because I think you know we're all struggling to understand what's going on inside our machines, and these tools are really powerful for solving that problem. Thanks. All right, and we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.